Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backheel Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we're diving into a couple of different topics from around the American soccer universe. We're talking about Bob Bradley, who was recently fired by Toronto FC. We're going to talk more about that decision. Was it the right thing to do? What's next for Toronto? We'll get into all of that stuff, and I'll share some of my thoughts on the USMNT at the Gold Cup. We've seen them play one game so far against Jamaica. Who stood out, either positively or negatively, in that game? And what else can we learn from their time at the Gold Cup this summer? We'll get to all of that stuff on this episode, and we'll do it in just 10 minutes or less. Because here on the Backfield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So, let's get to it and talk soccer. All right, folks, let's get right to it with Bob Bradley, one of the biggest names in American soccer. He was fired by Toronto FC earlier this week. That happened on Monday. Was it the right time? Yes, absolutely it was for Toronto FC. They're second to last in the Eastern Conference. If Inter-Miami had played as many games as Toronto, Toronto could actually be behind Inter-Miami on points, and you don't want to be behind Inter-Miami on points. So, Toronto very clearly have underperformed this year. They have two of the most talented players in Major League Soccer in Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi. They have a roster of of players that are capable in the right system, but also a lot of holes in their team as well. Bob Bradley, the coach, didn't really make this group into more than the sum of its parts, and that is a problem. There were also cultural issues at the club. I talked about this on the Total Soccer Show earlier this week. Bob Bradley's relationship with Michael Bradley has made some folks inside that team uncomfortable, and that's been a problem for those two at previous stops as well. Then there are issues that have been very public at this point with Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi not getting along and and not really falling in line under Bob Bradley either. You've got that side of things. None of that speaks very well for Bob Bradley as a coach. Then you have the fact that he was the sporting director for this team as well. Yes, there's President Bill Manning. More on him in just a second. And Bill Manning is over both the sporting side of the club and the business side of the club. But you've got Bill Manning, and then you have Bob Bradley. And Manning brought in Insigne and seemingly pulled strings for Bernadeschi as well. He should take some blame for that not really working out. But Bob Bradley has gone after players that he's either coached before or coached against in past clubs over in Europe and in MLS as well. To be honest, Sigurd Rostedt, center back that they signed in the offseason, he had played in Norway and had played against Bob Bradley when he was in charge of Stabæk over in Norway. Bob Bradley signed Adama Diomande, a 33-year-old injury-prone forward who has looked both of those things this year. He's now played for Bob Bradley three times in Norway, at LAFC, and now in Toronto. That move didn't make sense at the time, and it doesn't make sense now. Mark Anthony Kay, player brought over from LAFC. Hindsight is 20-20, but it certainly looks like Kay is, is well past his prime at this point. You can look to other parts of the roster and see some gaps there as well with Bob Bradley's name on it. So there's all of those things. I think the elephant in the room still is the fact that Insigne and Bernadeschi didn't seem to be bought in. Bernadeschi talked about that publicly, about some issues tactically that he had with Bob Bradley, even not necessarily mentioning Bob Bradley's name. It was very clear what he was getting on about, talking about the lack of tactics. Those players didn't like Bob Bradley, and they didn't seem to feel motivated to play to their fullest abilities while Bob Bradley was the manager. And that was always going to be a problem for Toronto. From the moment that you realize that, there was not really a way back for Bradley in Toronto. I assume he'll land somewhere else in Major League Soccer or at another fairly prominent job in the soccer space, maybe at least in in this region. 
But I'm not surprised that Bradley's gone. And for Toronto, I think it is the right thing to do. Now, there are real questions about what comes next for Toronto FC, one of the biggest clubs in Major League Soccer, one of the most ambitious, and yet also one of the most poorly run. I mentioned Bill Manning earlier. Bob Bradley's not the only problem with this team. He wasn't the only problem with this team. It's not just the roster. It's the fact that Bill Manning seems to want to put his fingers in lots of different pots. And The Athletic reported about this earlier this year. There's a sentiment that folks around the team and around the club and folks that have been involved that are before feel like Bill Manning tries to take on too much responsibility. And then he backs himself to do jobs like scouting and player identification that he's probably not very well suited to do. Doesn't seem like he's very good at this job. And they've lost a lot of front office members over the years to other clubs around Major League Soccer, other jobs. They're light on people in that front office. They're understaffed and Bill Manning's doing a lot, which is not really what you want. He is absolutely part of the problem. And in some ways, it's difficult to imagine how this club will reach its former heights, which you know was was under Tim Bezbachenko and Greg Vanny. And, and Bill Manning was there for part of that, but he didn't bring those two individuals into the club. It's hard to imagine how this club's going to obviously find a way back in any sort of sustainable way. You know, I think this team with Bernadeschi and Insigne can perform and they can be very good at Major League Soccer. Maybe they climb into a playoff spot this year. Who cares, right? That's not a a win for them. Maybe though next year they come in and they're able to make a couple of moves around the fringes, even with a really tight salary cap, given what they've already spent. Maybe they're able to move a couple of players and at least one of Insigne Bernadeschi kind of buys in and they have real success and become a contender. I don't think that's impossible. I'm not sure how likely it is, but I don't think that's impossible. But the future, in any sort of sustainable way, is very much up in the air. Bill Manning spoke to media earlier today, as I'm recording on Tuesday, June 27th, and said, talking about the vision for the club and the identity, he said, I want to win. No one remembers how you play. I don't want to describe a style of play. I think maybe he's onto something and that nobody will remember all the little intricate details probably of how you go out there and win games and play games. But there is the fact that having a style of play helps you recruit players. Having a style, if you want to play with the ball, you got to go out there and find players that can do that stuff. If you want to play against the ball and be in transition and be quick and aggressive, you can't go out there and sign Lorenzo Insigne and expect him to do every bit of that at the level that you might want. He might do other things better, but he might do things worse, right? You can't have Michael Bradley anchoring your midfield. So, that quote from Manning is a concern, not necessarily the part that people don't remember. I think that that's fair. But you look at all, 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 really, if not all, almost all of the best clubs around the world, not just in the United States, but abroad, like, they have a way of playing. They have an identity, at least, of how they want to go out there and recruit players and, and bring them into the club and either sell them on or make them a bigger part of the team in a particular way. Teams have that stuff. Good teams have that stuff. Toronto doesn't. So Bob Bradley is a casualty in in all this in some ways, but certainly not blameless either. This was the right time for this move to happen. We'll see what's next for Toronto FC. Now, one other topic before we get out of here, it's the U.S. at the Gold Cup, a group with a a pretty strange roster. It's not the first choice, you know, players for the United States men's national team. Greg Baralter is not coaching as well. It's still BJ Callahan and Baralter will take over in the fall a bizarre decision from U.S. soccer, frankly, that it doesn't make any sense to have Baraltar away from this team. But what do we learn from their game against Jamaica, and what do we hope to see from this team moving forward? Well, we learned a few different things about individual players. The U.S. set up in a 3-4-3 shape in possession with Alan Senora, Alex Zendejas as the two number 10s, and Aiden Morris and James Sands as the two number 6s. We learned that that midfield combination doesn't really work. Alan Senora had a lot of chances to impact the game as a number 10 didn't do a great job of that. His set pieces were inconsistent. His his way of striking the ball is inconsistent. 
that wasn't a great fit for him. If he's going to impact the U.S., it'll have to be deeper down the field. Aiden Morris as well didn't work next to James Sands or vice versa. Morris in particular had a rough game. He gave up the, the penalty for the United States with that, that kick really in the box. And he also had the foul that led to the opening goal for Jamaica, their only goal of the game after Matt Turner cleaned up the mess on the penalty kick. Aiden Morris was rough in possession. He had some good tackles defensively, but also had some some poor moments mentally, I think, in this game. If he's going to thrive, and he has thrived at times in MLS for Columbus, it needs to be next to a more aggressive, attacking kind of midfielder. With those two, Morris and Sands together, it just didn't really work. So what do I want to see from this team moving forward? Well, I want to see George Mihaljevic get more minutes. I thought he looked good coming off the bench for the United States in the second half. I think he is someone that has a high potential still, has a high ceiling, and he could be one of the best attacking options on this group for the U.S. I want to see more of him. I want to see more attacking thrust in the midfield with the personnel that B.J. Callahan chooses moving forward. And I'd like to see a bit more of Jesus Ferreira roaming around in the attack. Maybe that's with Brandon Vasquez on as the number nine and Ferreira roaming underneath. I think that could work well. Ferreira was one of the the lone bright spots for the U.S. on the night. The U.S. should have no problem taking care of business in the rest of this group stage. They've got St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago. They should advance after drawing with Jamaica over the weekend and have a real chance to make a deep run in this competition. But again, Winning, probably less important here. Developing players and giving minutes to George Mihaljevic and, and some of the younger players as well. Brian Reynolds, Kate Cowell. That is more important for the future of this program. We'll see if that happens. That is it for this episode of the Backheel Show. If you enjoyed, scroll up or down here in the feed or head over to backheel.com and subscribe. We'll talk to you again real soon.